In the early 90s, Fox Meyer, a healthcare service company, was the fifth largest drug wholesaler in the United States with $5 billion in annual sales. They needed to replace their ERP system. They budgeted $65 million for a new system that was projected to save them $40 million per year. The final bill for the project? Over $100 million. And the system only delivered half of the projected savings. Fox Meyer had to file for bankruptcy a few months after the system went live. Unfortunately, that story of making a massive investment in a technology solution, taking more time and treasure than initially budgeted, and then not realizing the projected return on investment is not an anomaly. I'm Steve Frost, Vice President of Research at TSIA. Welcome to the second episode of our 10-part series titled, The Have and Have-Nots of the Technology Industry. In this episode, we are going to explore the topic of low-friction land. For those listeners not familiar with TSIA, we're a for-profit research institute. We track the financial performance of the largest publicly traded technology providers on the planet. More importantly, we perform deep operational benchmarking with the technology companies that are on the TSIA platform. It's that data that informs the insights you'll hear in this series. And let me bring in Thomas Law, the executive director of TSIA. Thomas, in the first episode, you overviewed seven attributes that are enabling technology providers to accelerate growth. Today, we're going to click into this attribute of low friction land, correct? Steve, yes, we are. Well, okay, so before we get into this, we should clarify what we mean by land. At its simplest form, we're talking about selling a technology offering, either to a net new logo customer who've never sold to before, or we might be talking in some cases about breaking into a new buyer or new budget with an existing customer. But in either case, think of land as in you're landing a new customer. Steve, that's exactly right. And technology sales have historically been some of the most complicated land sales in the entire spectrum of business. So that story we opened up with would be the exact opposite of low friction land. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, that is a story of how many technology solutions are sold. There is typically a complex RFP released by the customer with lots of technical T's and C's that a vendor has to prove they can meet. Uh, There is significant investment required by the customer up front. And then there is this long, painful implementation period before the customer can actually realize business value. And of course, that value is often less than what the customer had hoped for. And I really believe the technology companies that are grabbing market share understand this approach simply sucks for the customer. (laughs) So they are reducing the friction involved in getting customers up and running. They are delivering business value as quickly as they can for their new customers. I mean, basically they are pursuing this thing we call low friction land. And there's a spectrum here, Steve. On one end of the spectrum for low friction land, we have the freemium offers where customers can start using portions of a solution without paying a dime, or the free trials, right, where, they, where the customer can try everything for a limited time. On the other end of the spectrum are companies like Palantir, who we discussed in the first episode. These are companies that go into a new customer and stand up a solution for free or, or nominal fee. They demonstrate the solution can deliver real business value, and then they start charging. 
So low friction LAN is not just for simple apps you can install on your phone. Yeah, no, it, it isn't. And we're seeing actual enterprise technology companies start to conduct business this way. And you were telling me a story about the first time this concept of low friction LAN really struck you. Yeah, and this is probably seven, eight, maybe even nine years ago. I was speaking to a CIO from a large hardware company. They were a member company in TSIA. And he was telling me about this project to replace their global HR system. And he said, our current vendor, they gave us a proposal. It cost millions of dollars and it would take over a year to roll out. And then Workday comes along which is a SaaS offering at a lower price point, but more importantly, had us using the new system in less than six months. And he said, there's, there's no way we are ever going to go back to this old way of rolling out enterprise-wide applications. And as I listened to him, I thought to myself, you know, way back then, why would a company be okay with the old way of implementing enterprise applications? Yeah, well, you say that, but you get a lot of resistance still on this whole concept of low friction land. Yeah, well, yeah, that is true. And the argument that I hear time and time again is that, hey, man, our technology is too complex, too critical. Customers have to be all in. So there is no use case here for low friction land. I mean, the customer really has to make this massive commitment um, for our particular solution. But, but I'm sorry. My spidey sense goes off when someone tells me their markets are immune to low friction land. And to make that point, let me give you three examples that have unfolded just during my tenure in tech. And let me start with storage. I mean, I remember when you know EMC was one of the four horsemen of the dot-com boom, and storage was a complex and expensive endeavor, and that fed EMC's crazy growth. But now we have freemium models in storage with companies like Dropbox. And there are plenty of other vendors that you know, make it easy for you to provision storage by clicking a few buttons on a website. Second example, CRM. Companies like Oracle, SAP, and Siebel. Steve, you, you remember Siebel? <laughs> I, I right. do Siebel. Yep. Yeah, I don't miss them. Sorry. Right? I mean, they, they were that first generation of customer relationship solutions. Uh, they were customized complex, expensive solutions. Software had to be installed on every individual computer and kept up to date with constant version updates. And then Salesforce comes along with a SaaS offer. And they eat the market from below, right? They start with small companies and they work their way into the enterprise by providing a low friction land offer. And now we have companies like HubSpot actually leading with free CRM. I mean, even less friction in that area. And then a third one is corporate messaging. And you know, my second job in tech was actually implementing corporate telephony systems. And this was back in the day when voicemail was actually the primary messaging platform for a lot of tech companies. And, and trust me, you know, companies spent a lot of money up front before rolling out a new voicemail system. You know, today, I have a son that is a programmer at a startup. And, and his primary messaging platform is, is Slack. And Slack is a low friction premium offer. So, I mean, I'm going to roll here. I'm just going to keep going here. One more example. Um, go to the AWS website. They actually have three, to, not one, but three types of low friction land. 
They have what they call their free tier, where, where there are services you can you can use that are free forever. They have 12-month trials, right, where the service is free for a year, or they have a limited trial offer. Now, go look at the list of computing services available in these three freemium offer types. It is a long list. I mean, just some of the things that are on there, analytics, application integration, developer tools, security, machine learning, on and on and on. So, so, so 10 years from now, just think about what critical technology solutions are going to be available with freemium options. So obviously, you feel strongly that all technology providers, all of them, have to pay attention to this tactic of low friction land. But I know there can be strong resistance to this approach, especially from sales organizations. You know, there's often this deep-seated conviction that a low friction land option uh, somehow devalues the overall value proposition uh, or that the complexity and criticality of the offer requires a long, intense sales cycle and there's no other way to land the offer. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I hear you. I mean, and I see that resistance as well. But, but I'm telling you, Steve, the high risk strategy is to think low friction land won't happen in our market. The winning strategy Start looking for opportunities to reduce friction when acquiring new customers. You don't have to eliminate friction completely, just reduce it. Well, that, okay, that's a very helpful distinction. If it isn't like companies then just have to suddenly flash cut over to a freemium offer, from your perspective, then how can companies start to reduce friction? Yeah, Steve, I think there's three tactics any technology company can start exploring to reduce the friction of landing their solution. So number one, decompose your solution into smaller bite-sized chunks. Instead of forcing the customer to buy everything up front, can they buy portions? Well, you know, we see now that about 80% of purchases across the technology industry are, are driven by the business buyer rather than IT. So you know, if you start with a portion of your offering that meets a particular point business problem, you might have a good start in a place where you could you could really reduce friction. Yeah, absolutely. And it leads to the second tactic here of really understanding and identifying the, the MVP, right? The minimal viable product. What's the, what's the minimal viable product the customer can buy to realize value? Do you know what that footprint looks like? Can you lead with that minimal viable product to get new customers going. And then number three, reduce the options you present to new customers. There's often cited research by a gentleman named Barry Schwartz on the paradox of choice. And his research found that the more options you present a customer, the more likely they are not to pick any option. Because, you know, so what that means is you want to become more prescriptive with new customers to focus them on the offer that makes the most sense for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the paradox of choice. One of my favorite books. In fact, not only are they less likely to make a choice, they're a lot less likely to be happy with the choice they made. But now, so one clear distinction here, you're not necessarily just saying you create a, a low friction land by dropping the price, right? No, 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 no. I, I'm not advocating you create low friction land by simply dropping the price for your current offer or, or just starting to give away stuff for free. Companies need to be thoughtful here because there is a lot on the line. Yeah, I recommend our listeners search the following phrase, freemium models that went awry. Literally search freemium models that went awry. 
and you can read some very graphic, very illustrative examples of how not to pursue low friction land. Yeah, there there is quite the sad you know list of stories there. But <laughs> please, please, please keep in mind, companies get eaten from below. You may not be reducing friction, but a competitor you don't even know about is working on that right now. All right. So I know you like to end these sessions with with a big question. So on the topic of low friction land, what is the big question today? So Steve, Steve, I want everyone listening to stop and think. For for the last offer your company released, what did you do to reduce friction, to create a low friction land? And I am betting the answer is probably nada, nothing. So today's big question for the next offer your company releases, what are you going to do to reduce friction? How will you create a lower friction land? And with that, we wrap up the second episode of our 10-part series, The Have and Have-Nots of the Technology Industry, brought to you by TSIA. The series will continue with our third episode, when Thomas Law speaks with TSIA's George Humphrey on the topic of creating robust access to service revenues.